Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you! <laughs> my screamers and welcome back to another episode of scream queens the podcast where horror gets bent this is episode 25 and to celebrate this milestone we're going to take a look at adam green's frozen well not adam green is frozen it's a movie he made called frozen and and well you know what i mean and then we're going to take a sneak peek at the upcoming brad anderson film vanishing on 7th street (sighs) i remember vanishing on 7th street once and on 73rd street and in the men's room of the New York Eagle. Never mind. And finally, Scream Queens is going to the red carpet when we intended the world premiere of Sci-Fi's original picture, Mega Python vs. Gatoroid. Are you jealous? Do you wish you could have been there? Well, only in your dreams. <laughs> but enough of this malarkey. Let's find out about some other cool podcasts and let's start the fun. Why am I talking like that? Ew. Hi, Andy's grandma. We're here to record a new episode of Night of the Living podcast. Is Andy home? Oh, me so sorry. He no home right now. You follow me. Oh, Andy's room smells kind of weird. Yeah, really strange. He left his computer on over here, too. Hey, guys, why do you think Andy might have this mask of human skin? That's weird. Maybe you guys know why there's this machete in the corner. His computer's just knife enthusiast websites in American apparel. Oh, wait, there's another website here. Palaver.com. Palaver. Okay, Palaver. Whatever, I Palaver. think. Yeah, he's definitely got the serial killer board up right under uh, Night of the Living podcast discussions. Oh, Jesus. Uh, maybe we should get the hell maybe out of here. Maybe we should go. Yeah, I think we should. Hey, guys. You ready to record? If you're a fan of horror films, you should check out Night of the Living Podcast at NOTLP.com, part of the Palaver family. Okay, so that's Night of the Living Podcast. Now, if you're not listening to the show, go over and throw them some love, because I have to admit, they were my first podcast. They were the first one that hooked me, and if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't be listening to me now. So either you can thank them, or you can go write them hate mail, depending on how you feel about me. But I know you love me. You love me, right? Please love me. (laughs) Okay, so what are we talking about this week? What has gone on in the life of me? First of all, I have to apologize. I have to apologize to Robert Arbest. I had every intention of reviewing your books this week, and I've been in contact with you, but things have gotten extremely busy here. And, uh, you know, it was the premiere. I'm sorry to bump you for a mega python, but, you know... Actually, I've talked to Robert about coming on the show and doing an interview and maybe hosting a movie with me, talking about one of his favorite movies, and um, maybe I'll tie it into that episode. Or not. I'm, I'm not blo- – I, 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 I can't I, – I suck is what I'm saying. I suck. I suck. But like I said, a lot has been going on you know, with me work-wise. You know, I have to, I've, I've gotten so wrapped up in this podcast that I've let my career slide. You know, I need to be working on two levels here. So I need to back off for a little while and um, focus on my work work. Now, don't panic. That does not mean I'm leaving you. I think I need to scale back my production schedule because when I started, things were slow. And then it was the holidays and things are dead. But now things are picking up. So 
I might be putting out a little less frequently, maybe every two weeks. But here's the deal. I might only be putting out once every two weeks. But the shows are going to be extra long. Yeah, yeah, I know some of you Betty and Crazy Lawnmower guy even say, oh, I want the show to be longer. I want the show to be longer. Well, you're probably going to be getting at least hour and a half shows every two weeks from now on. Possibly more, depending on my schedule. But just... I've tried to keep myself regular since we started in July, but now I'm a little blocked up. So we need to take things a little slowly. Also, we had free showtime last week. You know, the cable channel. And obviously we don't have it normally. So I had to catch up on the entire Dexter Season 5 in about three days. Because I didn't know we had the free showtime. till Wednesday. So that was a lot of TV that I had to watch really quickly. So between the Pythons and Dexter. Uh, so Dexter, I'm glad I'm finally caught up. I'm glad I can talk about it and stuff. I don't like Julia Stiles. I know people have been bitching about the season, and I thought it was fine, because I think Dexter is like Buffy, and that a bad episode of Dexter is still better than most of the crap you see on television. Um, but Julia Stiles was not working for me. I don't like her. Andy from NOTLP, I now see what you mean about her butterface. It never struck me before, but man, when she'd get upset about something, and her whole face would kind of cave in on itself, and just, it would stay there. She just irked me. If for nothing else, whenever they were sneaking around, her voice is just always this loud. And I sneak into somebody's house, trying not to get caught. And she's like, hey, hey, Dexter, why are you doing that? Shut up. And in addition to Dexter, I have confessions to make. I don't know what's happening to me. Those of you who follow me on Twitter and Facebook, you already know this about me. And you probably have already stopped listening to this show because I, for some reason, have gotten, gotten wrapped up in not only bridalplasty, but you're cut off on MTV. Now, I know I've got listeners over there in the UK and worldwide, so if you're not in the United States, you might not be familiar with these particular programs. Bridalplasty is a reality-slash-game show in which brides-to-be compete to be the perfect bride. What does that mean? Well, every week, they're competing to win plastic surgeries. And the person who wins the whole thing at the end gets a complete body makeover. It is garbage. It is narcissistic garbage. And Your Cutoff is a show on MTV in which they take a whole bunch of spoiled, rich princess bitches and cut them off from their trust funds and all their money and whatever and try to make them live like real people, which is completely hilarious because they're so not living like real people. However, however, it makes me laugh. There's a girl on it, Jennifer, who's always drunk. If she was a character in a movie, I would love her. But she's not. She's a real person. And I still kind of love her. I love to hate her. Her and her lollipop. She's always eating this lollipop. I guess it's made of platinum or something because it never gets any smaller. Either that or she's not a good sucker. Okay. Ew. Moving on. I'm trash. I'm absolute trash. I don't know why I'm watching them. Yet, they're on my DVR. It's not like I'm stumbling across them. I'm actually setting the DVR. This is a cry for help. Or at least for people to talk about it with. But the other thing that happened with my TV watching was... It I did stumble across an episode of Wife Swap. I don't watch the show. I don't think I've ever watched this show. But it was one of those days and there was absolutely nothing on television. So I started watching Wife Swap. And it turned out to be the episode that they always show on the stoop lately. It's the one where the, the survivalist woman is addressing the, the other family. And she's like, you allow your children to participate in sports and other extracurricular activities when you don't teach them about the important things like fighting zombies. Yeah, so of course I recognize the woman. I'm like, oh, we gotta watch this one. This is gonna be good. And that family was crazy. That survivalist family was crazy. He was crazy and she was stupid and crazy. And I don't know which one's more dangerous because she was talking about terms that she couldn't even pronounce them. She's trying to sell 
The other father on the whole Mayan and end of the world thing. You gotta look at this website. It says here that on that date in 2012, there will be catastrophic events that shall bring forth the apocalypse. Cataclopic, I believe, was cat- cataclysmic. Cataplopic. Cataplopping for the apocalypse. The apocalypse. That's the apocalypse. The apocalypse. Let's call the whole thing off. But I'm watching this, and after it was over, I turned to Brad, who was watching it with me, and I said, my God, not only did they have kids, I'm like, they were allowed to have kids, they found each other. You know, they're both crazy. They're, they're both the same kind of crazy, and they found each other. And I said to Brad, what are the odds of that happening? That two people with the exact same kind of crazy find each other like that. And I, then I looked at him, and I realized we're those people. We're not survivalists, but we're the same kind of crazy and we found each other and it was an aha moment, which then led to a ha-ha moment. And oh, poor Bradford. He's just staring at me like, what? What is it? What? Why are you looking at me like that? What is it? Funny. Oh, this is the other cool thing that happened with Mr. Brad. There was one day I left the house and I had forgotten my keys. And he had texted me that. He, oh, it's like, oh, you forgot your keys. So we live in a building where you have to get buzzed in. So he buzzes me in. And I'm walking up the three flights of stairs, and I get to the top of the stairs, and just as I do, our apartment door slowly creaks open. Not all the way open, just like a quarter, you know, halfway open, maybe. And he's just standing there in the doorway, half in, half out, just giving me the weirdest look. You know, just standing there, I ain't got no shoes on. And I get to the top of the stairs, and it stopped me in my tracks. I said, what? What's wrong? What? What's going on? You're just staring at me. He's not saying anything. He said, Bradford, you are freaking me out. What's going on? He says, I'm just making the world a creepier place. Hearts, flowers, violins. It was a magical moment. I like that. Somebody taking my advice and putting it into practical use in real, everyday life. Way to go, Mr. Brad. Now, one of the many movies I wound up watching during this whole blizzard, downtime, no voice period was this documentary that everyone's been talking about called Nightmares in Red, White, and Blue. And it's a history of the American horror film and how it's evolved over the past, you know, almost 100 years and and how it reflects society and this, that, and the other thing. And I have to say, fuck this movie. I know everybody else has loved this movie, and I loved it for a while until the halfway point. And I'm going to tell you what completely fucked this movie. It's a little twerp self-proclaimed film historian named John Kenneth Muir. Yeah, I'm calling you out by name, bitch ass. Now, he comes on, and he just starts spouting shit in the most smug, self-important, very, very pleased with himself manner that made me want to strangle him. For instance, they're talking about the Friday the 13th series, and he was talking about how Jason is a force of nature, and every time Jason is killing, there's always a storm outside. Like, Jason is something you can't reckon with, like a tornado or a hurricane, because every time he kills, it's there's a storm. And while I say there are often storms in Friday the 13th films, it is not only every time he's killing. You made it very specific that it was every time he's killing, it's raining, or a storm, it's not so... But what they used to illustrate this point is a clip from the original Friday the 13th with Kevin Bacon looking out on the horizon saying, oh yeah, there's a storm coming. The wind shifted a good 180 degrees. I'm like, that's not Jason. That was his mother. We all know that. You're making this movie for horror fans. We all know that's wrong. Now, granted, that's not his fault. That's the editor's fault. That's the director's fault. Putting those two things together, bad. But the thing is, that right there made me doubt everything that came before because early on, another historian was talking about how movies in the 20s, uh, rather, the, uh, rather the 30s, like Freaks and, and the, the monster movies, 
paralleled the uncomfortability and rather the, the, the daily horror people were having, like dealing with the veterans, the wounded veterans that were coming home that were severely maimed. And I said, oh, that's interesting. I never thought about that. Now I'm thinking bullshit. This little twerp's random unfounded comments have made me doubt everything that was set up in the movie beforehand. I'm questioning every little sociological connection that you've made since this film has started. Thanks a lot, shitface. Now, later on, this guy, John Canepier, goes on to say that the most important figure to come out of the 80s was it Ronald Reagan or Freddy Krueger? And he says, oh, clearly Freddy Krueger. And I'm like, oh, okay. Important for what? I mean, I'm no Reagan fan, but sorry. The president going to tower over Freddy Krueger any day. But finally, he just crossed the line with me when he said, he's like, oh, just compare Leatherface. Just compare Leatherface in the remakes of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the way he just pops up and disappears, it's like the hunt for Osama Bin Laden. He's there, he strikes and he's gone. And he's there and he strikes and he's gone. He's there and he strikes and he's gone. You're an asshole, sir. Sorry, 9-11 parallels are about the cheapest thing you can draw now. It's like finding Christ allergies in literature. It's just really obvious. It's really sad if that's what you're going for. Second of all, haven't slashers always been doing that? Popping up, disappearing, popping up, disappearing, popping up, disappearing? Why? Fuck you, John Kenneth Muir. Fuck you. Fuck this movie. You piss me off. You piss me off, and I had no voice to even go bitch to Mr. Brad about it. That's just wrong. Watch it at your own risk. Watch it with a grain of salt. Or better yet, hunt down John Kenneth Muir and kick him in his teeny tiny little nads. Tell him I sent you. But don't tell the cops then when you get arrested. Because, okay? child, you're on your own end. Oh, the other thing that was interesting, my friend Owen and I, you know, Owen, the guy who's allegedly going to go come on and talk about Carrie, and he's a big Dark Shadows junkie, so we might talk about that too. I, I would have to catch up on that. But that's not the point right now. We went and caught a matinee of a show with this fantastic title of Gruesome Playground Injuries. Really, how can you not love that title? I didn't even know what it was about. I'm like, I'm in. And then I found out. Time back to Dexter. It was starring Jennifer Carpenter from Dexter. Now I'm doubly in. And we saw the show and it was okay. It was it was kind of a drama. A little nihilistic for my taste. There was just these two guy and a woman who have been connected throughout their lives. There's these incidents throughout their life where they're brought together by some horrible injury that put one or the other into a hospital. So the whole thing took place in hospitals and sick rooms and like school nurses' offices and stuff like that. And, you know, she was great. She was great. I didn't get to get her autograph because I probably just would have, you know. I'm not good with the autograph things. I'm just not. I need to be more aggressive about that. I just kept waiting for her to get potty mouth, and I was really happy when the character had potty mouth because I probably wouldn't have realized it was her otherwise. You know what? I've been talking for a really long time. Let's talk about some movies, right? Let's just not talk about some movies. Let's get this party started. Take it away, Shirley Bassey.
So, last evening, Mr. Bradford and I had the opportunity to catch an advanced screening of Brad Anderson's new film, A Vanishing on 7th Street. I knew nothing about it, and I bet you probably don't either, so why don't we just listen to the trailer and discover it together? Like Columbus, but without all the massacring. The sun comes up later. Every day. More people just gone. The light. The light's protecting us. So too, didn't you? No bodies, no faces, only shadows. Oh my god. The whispers. Whoa. All of us have seen them. before it stops for good. It can trick you. Do not trust any light other than the one that you hold in your own hand. Whatever's out there is in here. We need to get out of the city. They're out there. We have to adapt. Not enough light. Look out, everybody. It's the apocalypse. Okay, I discovered something about myself just now. As I was typing out the name of the sound file for the trailer, I keep, for some reason, I don't type vanishing. I keep typing varnishing. So the movie I want to review is called The Varnishing on 7th Street. And I don't know what that's about, but it sounds really boring. So I'm not going to talk about it. All right, so I heard about this from Rick at the Dark Side Horror Movie Meetup Group. And he had this idea. They were doing a special sneak preview of this movie on pay-per-view before it gets officially released to the theaters. And he put out a, you know, he put out a suggestion for a meetup to go see it. He's like, so do you think we should go see it? Or should we just all get together and chip in a buck and watch it all together in the comfort of our own homes? And us being the cheap bastards that we are, we chose the latter. And it was a really great way to go. It was a nice way to see a horror movie, first run, and all that good stuff. And you know me, I can't just talk about the movie itself, which I haven't even gotten to yet. But, you know, I pitched it to Bradford fairly late in the evening. I'm like, do you want to go see a movie? And he's like, Ugh. I'm like, oh, come on. Ugh. And he says, all right, where is it? And I said, um, Roosevelt Island? Now, for the not familiar with New York City geography, Roosevelt Island is 
an itty bitty island stuck in between Manhattan and Queens. There's one subway stop on it, and the tram. You probably heard, have seen the famous tram, you know, dangling, you know, King Kong attacked it or something. Somebody, they're always attacking it in movies because monsters like things that dangle, apparently. <laughs> well, really, who doesn't? But it's kind of inaccessible. Now, of course, anytime I have to go to Roosevelt Island, I am always entertained and thereby keep myself entertained because Roosevelt Island, in my head, becomes Roosevelt Franklin Island. And I know most of you youngins out there have no fucking idea what I'm talking about, but I know you do, Betty. I know you do, Betty. Sing along with me. Roosevelt Franklin, that's my name. Learning all the alphabet, that's my game. The rest of you, you have no idea what you missed. Anyway, so we're on Roosevelt Island. And once you're there, you have to walk. And it was really cold last night. So when we finally get there, uh, we get off the subway, and I'm like, I don't know where we're going. Because there's also no street signs. There's basically two streets, but you really have no idea where you are, which one is which or anything. And so we're just walking and walking and walking. And it was so cold, my ears fell off. And as we're walking and we're walking and walking, I'm just like, I did it again. I dragged Mr. Brad out of the house to go walking around. Hours on end, and we're not going to find where we're going to, and he's going to kick my ass and for some reason to make things worse i mean we have our allegedly smartphones but for some reason our alleged smartphones weren't finding us on gps i mean the phone was finding us on gps but it wasn't finding us where we actually were it was telling us we were still back on the mainland of queens deep in it i'm going but we're not there bradford we're on itty bitty island as he dubbed it as soon as we arrived we're getting off the subway he's like welcome to itty bitty island and so the whole time we're walking around we're making itty bitty island jokes welcome to itty bitty island i'm sorry you're too fat to enter itty bitty island there's no burping on itty bitty island and we were hula dancing and that was when we were still in a good mood it's only three degrees keep moving or we will freeze we have got to find a place to pee's itty bitty island but after a while, after we, kept, after we kept getting passed by the itty-bitty bus, we were never getting to the itty-bitty bus stops in time. It got less and less funny and more and more serious. Maybe the smartphone can't find us on the GPS because we've stepped into another dimension. Or maybe my brain is freezing. I don't know. And I'm thinking it's going to end up like the Donner Party. And not in a gay way. But I'm also thinking... As soon as Brad's hand falls out enough that it doesn't shatter into a million pieces when it hits something, I'm going to get smacked in the face. But that didn't happen. So we finally arrived at the apartment, and everything was great. It was warm. Um, we glued my ears back on. We glued them on upside down just to be crazy. But um, this is stupid. Let's just talk about the fucking movie. Okay. A varnishing on 7th Street. <laughs> Uh, I was kind of hesitant to go in to see this movie just because it stars Hayden Christensen. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, the man gives me hives. Gives me big itching hives. It just even, not even because of the Star Wars thing, that doesn't help, but just other things I've seen him in. Every time I see him, he just is, dick. He's not bad, but he just doesn't even seem to be trying. He's like, hey, I'm hot. I'm Hayden Christensen. I don't need to ask. Yeah. Yeah. And this was not awful, but it wasn't better. Anyway. It also stars um, John Leguizamo, John Leguizamo, John Leguizamo, who does the Mambo, John Leguizamo, and Tandy Newton. And the thing about Tandy Newton, I know it's pronounced Tandy, but it's spelled Fandy to me. And every time I think of Fandy Newton, I just start singing Grease. Oh, Fandy, baby, someday when high school is done. But that's all about musical theater and the Brady Bunch for me. 
So the movie opens uh, with John Leguizamo. He's a film projectionist in one of, one of these monster plexes. And it really wastes no time getting to the action because as he's up there, you know, futzing about with the reels, all of a sudden there's this major power outage. Boom! That was the camera, the film and the camera going. The lights are out for two or three seconds, and when they come back on, poof! Everybody is gone. Except for him. There's nothing left but a whole bunch of clothes just strewn about. And I said, ooh, it's like Night of the Comet, but without the dust. And all the 17-year-olds in the room were like, huh? And I just felt sorry for them. He goes out in search of help. He's you know, walking all around. He goes to the mall that's connected, and there's nobody there either. But he finally finds a security guard who seems rather blasé about the whole thing. They go exploring together. They're, they're in some store, department store, and the guard's like, hold on a second. I think I saw something over there. And he separates from John Leguizamo, who looks away for a second, and you just hear, thump, and the guard's gone poof. His uniform just lying there on the ground. And John Leguizamo's like, duh. That's peculiar. Now we go and cut away to um, Hayden Christensen, who's some news anchor. I thought it was funny because his name was Luke. And he was, he was Darth Vader. And now he's Luke. <laughs> I'm a nerd. And he's waiting for his hoe to come home. He's bopping his, his co-anchor like everybody does on the news. They're all bopping. You know, Chuck Scarborough and Sue Simmons have been banging uglies for 30 years now. Ew. But of course she doesn't come home because she poofed. And he goes out and aside and walks around. And says, That's basically, you meet her, you meet these two, you meet Tandy, Tandy Newton, who's a, who works in a hospital, and everybody's poofed there. And everybody just comes to the realization that, you know, wherever they are in town, everybody's poofed. I really have to enunciate if I'm going to keep saying poofed, because if I say it too fast, it, it might be mistaken as pooped. So it's a whole different thing for me to say they realize the entire world has poofed than it is to say the entire world has pooped. That's a whole other movie, and you probably would need a varnishing afterwards. Now, 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 Fandy, Fandy, I'm just going to call her Fandy just, <laughs> just because it's my fucking show. She's particularly perturbed because she's got a nine-month-old baby. And she's like, oh, my baby, where's my baby? And she goes all the way back home and looks in the crib. That just goes, Wah! so one is to presume that she, the baby, has also poofed. Now, what is funny here, her character's name is Rosemary. So I'm like, huh, Rosemary can't find her baby. Rosemary's baby. Ah! Flat forward three days. Basically, what we've discovered is that everybody's gone. A lot of movies play on the idea of fear of the dark, that there's something out there in the dark. What was interesting here is that the dark is the monster here. So the reason that they've uh, survived is that they all happen to have some sort of secondary light source. You know, John Leguizamo had the uh, mag light strapped to his forehead that he uses for his, um, you know, to, fi to fix the machines. Hayden Christensen had candles all lit up for his hoe to come home and massage his bunions or whatever the hell they were going to do. And Tandy, I don't know what, oh, Tandy had her little flashlight for looking in people's eyes, which makes no sense because she's a physical therapist, but that's what she had. Whatever. Oh, you know what? I lied. She didn't have a little pen light thing. She went out for a smoke, and the second she had her lighter lit to light the cigarette is when the lights went out. So there's a moral message for you. Smoking may kill, but smoking may keep you from poofing. And they run into a little boy at a bar. Yeah, a little boy's hiding in a bar. It's his mama's bar. He's like, I can't find my mama and stuff. And he's keeping the place run by a generator. So all these people are safe because of the lights. And here we sit for the next hour or so. All these people have converged on this one spot. And this is where the film becomes problematic. It's kind of suspenseful up until this point. What happened? What, where'd everybody go? It's creepy to see these empty street city scenes. But once they get to the bar, everything stalls. 
Because for the next hour, nothing new is added to the story. You don't learn anything more, which could be okay. But on the other hand, there's no layers of tension being added. It's just the same thing over and over. Oh, gosh, the lights went out. Here come the dark fingers. Oh, we got a flashlight. Oh, the flashlight went out. Oh, here come the dark fingers. Oh, got a candle. Oh, the candle went out. Oh, my God, here got the fingers. Oh, my God, I got a glow stick. And it's a rave. And, and over and over and over and over and over again. And lots of lots of pointless flashbacks and dull exposition on, on the characters and... There's a lot to be said for this movie, but overall, it I find it's a dud. I'm not going to spoil it because it's obviously not out yet. There's a good movie hiding in here somewhere, but it just didn't come out. And it's a weird combination of overkill and underkill. The, the underkill, what I was saying before, it gets to a certain level of tension then just sits there for an hour and coasts along and coasts along. And when it comes to the climax, I hate to say it kind of goes down in tension. And during that hour, you just, like I said, there's a three-day lapse in time. You know, they say 72 hours later, but... I kind of felt I wanted to know what happened in those 17, 72 hours, not when they're at this place of accepting the whole situation. I wanted to see the tension of them figuring out what the fuck is going on, and oh my god, there's these things in the dark, and we're hearing voices in the dark, we're hearing our dead loved ones in the dark. What is it? Well, by, by the time we get to meet them three days later, they're all kind of comfortable with it. Well, not comfortable with it, but they've adjusted to it. You know what I mean, right? If you don't, oh well. Uh, but I know you do, because you're smart. I know you are. And Overkill with the same thing over and over again. And I hate to say it, the dark special effects are not very good. And they're overused. Severely overused. The first few times you see them, Fandy is walking down the hallway in the hospital, and just at the very corner, you start to see black fluttering and like little wispy, smoky tendrils coming across. You're like, oh my God, what's that? Or just at the bottom of the screen, you just see a little, a little sense of dark motion. That was, that was good, but when it happens in every shot, every single shot... And then it just gets more and more, you know. And then every single shot has the dark fingers just hovering all the time. And it's not good special effects. It's bad CGI. It kind of looked like when the shadows came for the killer guy in Ghost. And that was how many years ago? It was about that same level. That was fine at the time. But now, not so much. And when it comes to the ending, I'm not spoiling it. But I'm seeing online, people find it ambiguous. Like, hey, just stop. We don't know what happened. We got it. There's this blatant symbolism towards the end there that if once you realize what they're going for, you're like, oh, my God, really? I had to have it pointed out to me initially because, you know, I nodded off for a little while. But once you get this one piece of information, you're like, oh, that's dumb. But you know what? Here's something else about the ending. And again, I'm not spoiling anything, so you can relax. This had the same problem that that movie Skyline did that I reviewed several episodes ago. The movie had reached an end. The story had reached... Maybe not a great, but a satisfying end. One that one that left this jarred and disturbed. Like, oh my God, is this how they're ending it? But then they did what they did in Skyline. They tacked on another 10, 15 minutes of stuff that just pissed it away and gave it this simple explanation. And, and also in that 15 minutes, they give you this really stupid thing that I'm not telling you about that when you see it, you're like, oh, come on. Whereas had they just left it in mystery... I think I would have enjoyed it a bit more. The other thing that I'm not happy with, like I said, this is directed by Brad Anderson, and I like Brad Anderson. I loved Session 9. I know a lot of people hate it, but you know what? Fuck you! I liked it. But one of the most uh, effective scenes in that film was that scene in the underground tunnel when the young kid who's afraid of the dark is walking along the tunnel and the, the lights behind him just start going out and he's screaming and running and they're just popping up right behind him like he's being chased by the dark. Well, guess what? They do this in this movie about three times and not well. I realized it was probably in the script, but there was a way to do it to make it not look exactly like the other movie, Brad Anderson. Shame on you. Shame on you. I realized Session 9 wasn't a major release, so the most audience won't have seen it, but I've seen it. 
I see through you, Brad Anderson. And you're not wearing clean underpants. The thing, too, is that there's, like I said, there's so little going on in this middle part that the group I saw it with got chatty. And honestly, we weren't missing anything because we got it because it was repetitive. And so we started talking about what we thought was going on. You know, was it aliens? You know, somebody, I'm not saying who, said, well, maybe everybody just left. You know, they took off their clothes and left. Like, okay, well, that means there's going to be like a whole city full of butt naked people jumping out yelling surprise at any minute. And Well, actually, I do want to see that movie. But one of the girls says, oh, maybe it's the rapture. And Mr. Brad said, the rapture? You mean like Blondie? And I said, yes, Bradford, like Blondie. The man from Mars was eating cars, and he ate all the people but spat out their clothes. That's exactly what happened. That's my man. Just sitting there for an hour with no tension and then coming to an it's dumb conclusion, I can't give this a recommend at all. Sorry, Fandy. We should have gone varnishing instead. Okay, everybody, let's talk about Frozen. Much to my surprise, it's not a documentary about Windows Vista. Ah! 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 That wasn't funny at all. Oh, let's listen to the trailer and find out what it is about. Whew. Mama needs to lie down. You guys sure about this? Yeah, yeah, it works all the time. All you have to do is go over there and you say, like... I said that I could pay for all three lift tickets, and then I left my credit card at the gas station. Right. Totally on money. Just not enough for all three. <laughs> Last run, gotta make it count. Sunday, and they're not open until Friday. I've been up here all week. 
We're gonna die. Oh my god! Oh my god! so stupid but you know what it's the gay show and you gotta stick madonna sometimes that's just how it is okay frozen is well it's not the newest thriller from adam green but it's a thriller from adam green who also brought us hatchet and hatchet 2 and spiral and i liked all of those movies okay maybe i didn't give the best review to hatchet 2 but i like adam green adam green takes a lot of flack and i don't get it this movie took a lot of flack and i don't get it i thought this was great I'm sorry to blow my wad right at the beginning of the review. Somebody gave me a wet nap, but it was a great movie. If you don't like it, M-Y-N-H-H-H. Is I believe how you spell it. I, I, I'm babbling. If you didn't figure this out from the trailer, Frozen is the story of three friends who go out for one last run on the ski slope against better judgment, against the advisement of the ski lift operator, and, well, through a series of maybe not so logical or believable events, they get stuck in the lift. I mean, the whole resort shuts down, there's a storm coming in, and they are F to the U to the K to the D. They are fooked. What is the matter with me today? I don't know. I've had too much caffeine, which is unusual. Normally, I've had too many margaritas, but again, I'm off topic. Now, you know how I'm always bitching that so many horror movies and thrillers today, they make the characters so obnoxious that you hate them. Here is the exact opposite. I liked all three of these folks. Folks? Kids. Whatever you want to call them. You know, because there's the couple that are dating, and then there's the third wheel guy. You know, the bros, the guy's best friend. So there's a whole bros before hoes. Bit of tension there, and, you know, her trying to fit in. Does it make any of them obnoxious? No. They're all really, really likable, which is made me incredibly invested in each and every one of their, each and every one of their safety. So when bad things happened to them, I got really upset. I looked at some IMDB reviews, and I swear to God, I really have to stop doing that because the more I do that, the more I realize people are just stupid. Because one of the problems is the girl realizes after they get stuck up there and that they are in fact stuck up there and that the machine is not broken down and is going to be fixed. She's like, oh my God, it's Sunday night. They're not going to be open again until Friday. Now, it has been established earlier on in the film, somebody says, "How? why the fuck are you closing at 7 o'clock on a Sunday when you're only open three days a week? So it's established that it's open on the weekends. And that's it. You look at these IMDb reviews, everyone's like, oh my god, so stupid that a ski resort would shut down for a whole week just because of some inclement weather. Did you not watch the fucking movie? Maybe if you weren't tweeting or writing these stupid reviews or writing down the frame numbers, you know, the time frame, the time signatures of when the things you thought were stupid happened in the movie maybe you would have been able to follow the basic plot shit heel so anyway these poor kids are stuck up on the ski lift a storm is coming in and oh by the way there are wolves did i mention that there are wolves and even though it's just three people in a confined well it's not a confined space three people just in this limited 
you know, there's no blocking, there's no running around, there's no action. It's a tense, tense film. Maybe they don't make the best choices. Maybe things don't go as well as they should have or could have. And people are picking on the movie for that. And I said, you know what? I don't know what I'd do in that situation. If I'm out there in the cold for hours and hours and hours and I haven't eaten and I haven't had any water and I haven't gone to the bathroom and I'm cold, you know, losing sensation in my, my, my extremities, I might not make the best decisions either. I'm sorry. Not all of us are Tony and Neil from Wasteland Wanderers because I'm sure they would have figured out the best possible way. And I'm not knocking them because these guys know their survivalism. Had there been room on that ski lift for two more people, they would have been like, all right, this is what we should do. We should do that, and we should do this, and we should do that, and we should do this. And they would all have been home in time for hot toddies and tap of this salon makeover. But they weren't there. So they don't make good decisions. But you know, had they made good decisions, there would have been no fucking movie. You know what? I'm yelling like I didn't like this movie. I'm yelling because I don't like people who are stupid. As a testament to the tension in this film, Mr. Brad did not watch this with me. I, he, he's like, oh, what are you watching? I'm like, oh, it's three people stuck in a ski lift. He's like, nope. Bum out, because like I said before, he's claustrophobic. And even though they were in the wide open spaces, that, that was enough. To, no, 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 no. He had to keep coming in from the other room to see if I was all right, because I was screaming at the TV so much. Like, no, no, oh, God, oh, Jesus, bad wolf, bad wolf. No, don't do that either. Oh, God, please, no, Jesus. And I'm, I'm surprised the neighbors didn't come over, but they've decided we're crazy at this point. Seriously, by the amount, the sounds that come out of here. On a daily basis. I, I mean, I should set a recorder out in front of our apartment door just to find out what actually is echoing down the hallway. And I can kind of understand why people look the other way when we're coming down the stairwell. Oh, well. That's the price of being intensely, intensely creative. I'm not talking about the movie. I haven't seen any, any of these actors before, the three of the main characters. And I think that's cool. Because they're great. And they're extremely talented. And also... Hooray for Adam Green for not loading his movie with stars like everybody else does. Because, you know, when you put stars in your movie, stars come with expectations. And with these three kids, I don't know who they are. So I don't have any expectations. So I'm like, I don't know who's going to get out of here. I'm not sure if anybody's going to get out of here. Is this another deep water situation? Sorry, spoiler. Open water. I got the movie wrong, so it doesn't count as a spoiler. But I said it afterwards. Okay. Oh, I'd also like to give a thumbs up to Adam Green. In his casting of the film, he made the very wise choice of casting a young actor named Sean Ashmore to play the character of Joe Lynch. Yeah, there's a character named Joe Lynch. So it's a movie reference, and if you don't know who Joe Lynch is, go fuck yourself. Oh, and Kane Hodder's in it too, so that's always nice to see. Woof. Woofy daddy. Woofy daddy driving a snowplow. I got something for you to plow, Kane Hodder. Oh... Ooh, what's the matter with me? Whoa, ooh, gotta, gotta calm down. But this Sean Ashmore character, Ashmore? Sean Ashmore character, he's got the dreamiest blue eyes. And I'm not waxing poetic. They are dreamy. They are the color blue that, uh, well, I've seen Siberian Husky dogs with this color blue. And given the tendency of big husky-like dogs to show up and eat people in this movie. I guess that was an appropriate choice. Plus, he's got some nice scruff going on, so he's like a little cubby bear with pretty eyes, and I just want to... Has this gotten awkward for anyone else? Because I'm having a moment. And now it's passed. Oh, and it turns out the girl in this was in The Walking Dead. So I'm sure most of you just got moist by me saying that. She was the younger sister of the blonde lady. You know, the older blonde. You know, they were the sisters. It was her birthday. And then, you know, what happened happened. 
that I'm not going to talk about, even though the show's over. I don't want to be accused of spoiling that because people will be like, oh my God, you suck. And yeah, I do. Very well. Oh. No more Starbucks for me. No more. Ever. Also, the movie had me crying. Twice. Twice. As I said, you really feel bad for these characters. And when the situation starts to sink in on them and how bad this is and what's left behind at home, things they never tied up and... You know, maybe you have a puppy at home who's sitting at the door waiting for you and, and, and you're not coming, and it was really sad. And the other thing was, they kept falling asleep. They kept falling asleep, as you would do outside over days. They kept falling asleep with their faces pressed up against the side of the chair, rail, the, you know, the, the chairlift. Every time they did that, and they would show them a slow close and zoom in on the sleeping faces all pressed up on the metal of the chairlift. I'm screaming at the TV, going, oh my god, their face is going to be frozen. Oh my god, their face is going to be frozen to the pole, and then they're going to pull away, and their face is just going to be like, and I'm going to throw up. Maybe that happened. Maybe it didn't, but I screamed about it a lot. Brad had to keep coming in going, it's all right, honey. Nobody's face is going to get stuck to the chairlift. Is that it will? It'll be like Randy in a Christmas story or whoever the fuck that kid was with his tongue. And he just shook his head, and he went back in, in the bedroom Probably was wondering how he got himself into the situation. But you're in it, goddammit! And we're in it together, wherever we go. It's really hard to talk about the movie without spoiling it. And I'm not going to spoil it, because as you can tell, I liked it. I liked it a lot. It gets a really high recommendation from me. So let's just leave it at that. Frozen. It's so cold, it's hot. Oh, God, why am I even trying? Uh, music, please. <laughs> Reporting to you here outside the Zingfield Theater in New York City at the glittering star-studded premiere of sci-fi's latest epic, Mega Python vs. Gatoroids. The crowd is brimming with excitement, and oh, the limos are pulling up. All the stars are out tonight. Yes, they're out in the sky. It's a beautiful evening, and there's some people arriving in limousines too. Oh, yes, it's Dustin Diamond. Yes, Dustin Diamond from TV Saved by the Bell. Oh, and I see he's sporting a new mustache. Oh, no, he just wiped it off. Ew, oh. Oh, look, another limo. Um, um, well, I'm being told that it's downtown Julie Brown. Who is she? A VJ? Yes, I'm quite sure she has a VJ. Oh, she is a VJ. Oh, I, I stand corrected. She was a VJ. Oh, when they used to show music. Isn't that interesting? Nostalgia and science fiction all wrapped up into one fabulous evening. How nice they let her out of the home to be here tonight. Now pulling up is Mickey Dolenz from the Monkees. Ah, oh, you can feel the disappointment in the crowd. They were apparently expecting Davy Jones. He had to play a junior high dance as a courtesy to the president of his fan club. And who's this pulling up now? I'm being told it's Riken and Derek from the logo hit 
the A-list. Oh, look at them in their overpriced outfits. I'd hate to be the one to break it to them, but if you're here, darlings, you're not on the A-list. And now here are the stars themselves, Tiffany and Debbie Gibson. The crowd is is going inside for free popcorn. This free popcorn? This just in, there's free popcorn. This reporter is going inside. Mama got the munchies. First, there was a mega shark in Deborah Gibson. Then, there were mega piranhas in Tiffany. Now, it's a mega rivalry on steroids. You gator baiting bitch. Ow! You snake living me. Ah! Ah! You don't go down easy, do they? Tiffany and Deborah Gibson star in and host. The original movie, Mega Python vs. Gatoroid, premieres Saturday, January 29th at 9, only on Sci-Fi. Imagine greater. Thank you so much, live reporter on the street who sounds absolutely nothing like me. Yeah, you heard it right. Bradford and I got to attend the world premiere red carpet event for the Sci-Fi original film, Mega Perth. Perthon? Mega Python vs. Gatoroids. Now, personally, Gatoroid sounds to me like a condition. Oh, man, I can't go into work today. I got Gatoroids. I had to pick up some topical cream. Maybe one of them suppositories for my Gatoroids. I'm going to beat that into the ground because, to me, it's hilarious. And Mega Python, well, that's that's just an obvious innuendo. But, you know, really, why need to? Why do we need to go to the gutter so quickly? Why? 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 Now, I had heard about this naturally from the from the meetup group folks, and uh, it was a public event. You just had to go over to the Sci-Fi channel and di- uh, download your ticket. And I just thought it was a screening to be perfectly honest. But then I noticed at the bottom of the ticket, it said, red carpet begins at 6.30. I thought, okay. And I'm seeing it's a... No, it's being advertised as a premiere with a red carpet. So I said, okay, well, you know what? We got a dress to impress now, bitches. And it's at the Ziegfeld Theater. Now, if you're not from New York, which most of you are not, the Ziegfeld Theater is a little taste of how it used to be. You know, like back in the 30s, when you going to the movies was a night out. It was an event. This place, it's its an older theater, and it's huge. It's a mammoth theater. It reminds me of uh, when, you know, back in the day when Radio City Music Hall used to, be a music th- uh, used to be a movie theater. It's not that big, but it's got that feel. You know, not like a monsterplex, you know, that just is a box with seats in it. It's got chandeliers and... It's piss elegant is what I'm saying. I'm saying that's awfully big for a screening, and it's awfully elegant for a free screening. I've never heard of them doing free screening before. I could... I could see a red carpet premiere happening there. Huh. So I tell Mr. Brad, we got to get down there early. And uh, I got down there at about 5.15. He made me at 5.30. And not surprisingly, we have to wait online outside. What I neglected to mention, it's about three degrees again. It was one of the coldest nights in New York on record so far this winter. And we're outside standing like idiots in front of this theater, which, by the way, has no red carpet in front of it. As one of my friends pointed out to me, he's like, oh, you know, said there's no red carpet. And I said, uh, well, maybe it's ironic. Maybe maybe the red carpet's just in Tiffany's panties. <laughs> no, he didn't laugh either. He thought it was stupid. Like I said, we're standing out there freezing, and we're the only ones there. It was uh, me, the people from the meetup group, and like 10 other people on this line. Now, I mentioned the Ziegfeld is massive. I'm going, what happened? Normally, if anything's free... People show up in droves, and according to the website, all the free tickets were gone. The entire event is booked. I'm like, all right, maybe the cold is keeping people home. I don't know. All I know is that Mr. Brad is staring holes into the back of my head. The I'm going to kill you when we get home holes. 
Or worse, I'm going to be all Southern and say really sweet things about this entire evening for the rest of our lives. Oh, yes, what a wonderful time that was. I have never in my entire experience gone through an evening such as that. When I first got there, I tried to go into the theater. I saw people mulling about in the lobby, and I didn't see anybody outside. So naturally, I'm thinking, okay, I guess I'll go inside and see what's going on. Immediately, one of the, this gigantic goon of a bouncer is like, what do you want? I'm here to see a movie. I have a ticket. He's like, are you VIP? No, I'm just a P. You go outside, you wait outside around the corner. And I go around the corner, there's the line. Okay, so there's a VIP section with goons. Maybe it is a premiere. Somewhere around 6 o'clock, the doors in, in the dank hallway where we had to stand, uh, the dank alleyway where we had to stand, fling open, and these, you know, girls come bopping out, dee, 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 and like, hey, who's on Team Tiffany? Who's on Team Debbie? And they start handing out these gigantic buttons, support, you know, so that you could show your support for which of the two divas in this film you're there to see. Now, I have a past with Miss Gibson. Like, on a personal level, we go way back. Like, 1985 back. Like, before she had a record back. And I'm not going to go into it here, because she can find out what I'm saying about her and sue her, sue me or something. And it's just ugly. I don't want to be ugly here. I just want to make you laugh and tell it how it is. But I was going to pick a Team De Tiffany until I saw that the button said Team Debbie, not Deborah. I have been staunchly against the My Name is Deborah Now movement for Miss Gibson. Like, no, bitch, you're always going to be Debbie to me. I call you Debbie because I know it irritates you. But lo and behold, these buttons said Debbie, and I'm like, oh, her publicity person is going to be having a shit fit. I'll take 12. Actually, I wound up taking a bunch of Tiffany's, too, because, hey, I'm a double agent. I go both ways. Well, ew, ew, not like, the, not like that way. No, 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 the other. I'm Okay, um, this got awkward. Anyway. They finally listen to the theater. There's nobody in there. They've got 65,000 ushers, so clearly they're expecting a crowd, and there's nobody there. And they're like, okay, if you got a pink bracelet, you got to go sit in this other, you got to sit in this teeny little corner in the back. I'm like, I'm, okay. This is total segregation, and the fact that you gave us free popcorn and drinks is not really making up for it, even though I, since there's nobody here, I more than took my fill. No, I'm walking in with, I could have opened up my own silo with the amount of popcorn that I had, is what I'm saying. And everybody's standing around looking really uncomfortable, like, uh-huh, why is there nobody here? We have all these people working, and there's nobody here. There's supposed to be all these people on the balcony, and there's nobody here. And I don't know what George, who runs the horror movie meetup group, did. He talked to the right people, and all of a sudden, our group, not the rest of the peons, all the meetup folks, got to move all the way up front, which of course is like a half a mile in this theater. So now we're, we're really nice and close, and it's pretty awesome. And it's awesome, but not enough to get to Scream Queen of the Week, George. Sorry. Sorry. And the movie was supposed to start at 7.30, but, you know, 7.30 comes and 7.30 goes, and it's not starting, and there's nobody here. Now, of course, I was entertained because the music they were playing while we were waiting was alternating back and forth between Tiffany and Debbie's greatest hits. And I'm singing along, I get lost in your arms, and I feel my spirit rise. I love her octave jumps and everything. And I'm doing my Tiffany, I think we're alone dance, which I'll probably have to do a video of and post on the web at some point. But not at the moment. We're talking about that. But Mr. Brad was so embarrassed. He's like, would you shut up? Be quiet. There might be real fans here and you're making them. I'm like, I'm having a ball. This is not ironic singing along that I'm doing here. He's like, oh my God, I'm not just eat your popcorn. We've got 58 pounds of it.
you know, there's a couple of ad exec types starting to float in, trickle down, you know, office looking people. And then somewhere around 8, Mr. Brad's like, I used to work in catering all the time, and they're probably at a cocktail party on a bus somewhere, and that bus is going to show up, and they're all going to get here at the exact same time. No sooner did he say that, the floodgates open, and here comes the D-list. Oh my god, it was fantastic. Oh, all of a sudden, it's still not full. The place is still, you know, maybe half full top, but now you got everybody I just mentioned, you know, Dustin Diamond, you had downtown Julie Brown, you had her, you had her sister, you had her daughter, who I thought might have been a hooker, the way she was dressed, because, I mean, God. Mickey Dolans, the guys from the A-list, uh, people that I didn't see, apparently Taylor Dane was there, oh, a bunch of other people were there. Now, of course, Mr. Brad is not as pop-culturally aware as some of the rest of us, so I'm having to explain who some of these people are. And he's like, who's Dustin Diamond? I don't know him. I, oh, he used to be Screech on Saved by the Bell. You were, you were, you probably wouldn't have watched. He's like, no, I've never heard of that. And I was explaining how he leaked the sex tape and how, you know, the Dirty Sanchez incident. And he's just like, oh, well. And as I'm explaining this to him, I'm looking at Dustin Diamond's date for the evening. Um, I know it wasn't her in the video. I'm sure it was some dusty old hooker from somewhere. Because um, I haven't seen the video. don't want to see it. But I, I still was looking at her like, mm, you kissed that mouth. And for that date of Dustin Diamond, you are the scream queen of the week because, ew, ew. If that doesn't take bravery, I don't know what does. And you know what? You, you cannot have the tiara because, ew. Okay, so now this is when the celebrity sighting gets really good because all of a sudden, I hear muscling through the ground. Ooh, Alan Thick just arrived. Who? Who? Alan Thick from Growing Pains. And my head whipped around. My head was snapping to find Mr. Alan Thick because, okay, sit down, kids. It's time for a very quick fireside chat. Back in the day, I had a huge crush on Alan Thick. You know, before Growing Pains. Yeah, because he's a musician and he has pretty eyes and I can see he's got a nice tooth to chest hair sticking out. And he wrote the theme song to Facts of Life and things like that. And, and, and I watched that goddamn show. Goddamn Growing Pains show for years. Hoping, hoping, just once, he'd take his goddamn shirt off. Never happened. Never happened, never happened. If it did happen and I missed it, please let me know what episode it was in because I have a destiny to fulfill. And now Brad finds out that Alan Thicke is there. He's like, oh, where is he? I want to see him. I want to see him. He's like, oh, there. He's on the island. I can't see him. He's right there on the island. Well, I can't see him. I'm like, breathe, Bradford. He's like, I'm sorry. I just used to have a crush on him. I said, ew, you're a skank. <laughs> but now it dawns on me. All these celebrities have arrived in... I didn't see no red carpet. I'm like, huh, where's the red carpet, huh? Well, apparently they had a red carpet. It was in the lobby. It was the shortest red carpet I've ever seen. They didn't have, there was no red carpet outside. And it was pretty much just, you know, get your picture taken in front of the sci-fi background. And really, there was nowhere for us to see. You know, if you had to stand on the stairs to see it, and I didn't see it, and I didn't care. And so I was still convinced there was nobody coming, but I missed out. It's finally, it's time for the movie to start. They introduced Tiffany and Deborah Gibson. They can sorry, Debbie Gibson. They come waltzing down the aisle and they're talking to how they're really friends now and they don't really hate each other. I'm like, don't tell me that. I want to have a bitch fight right here. Throw down, throw down. I want to see Weave pulling because Tiffany, I see you put on quite a bit of weight again. You will roll, Miss Gibson. You will roll her like a chalupa. But that didn't happen. So why should you see this? Why is this sci-fi original movie different than any? other sci-fi original movie. Well, because it has Debbie Gibson and Tiffany in it. Yes. Yes. 
Each of them recorded a song for the movie soundtrack. Yes, both of which are available on iTunes. Yes, they have Dynasty-style catfights that go on for five minutes at a time. Yes, they have slow-motion, up-close panty shots during all these Dynasty-style catfights. Yes, but what I think was different here, there was no pretense of quality for this film. I don't know. I tried to watch Mega Shark versus Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus by myself, and I couldn't get through it. it there, and even in, in in seeing it after everybody was making fun of it, I still can't get through it because there's all that science part, and the science part is so dry. I mean, it's funny to make it's fun to make fun of them holding up the colors of vile liquid and looking at them while they're doing science, but it, it seemed like they were trying to make a good movie. They weren't even attempting to make a good movie here, and they didn't. And then, thus, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Now, uh, I'm not getting into the plot too much, because you're going to see it this weekend. Yes, that's why I'm doing this early. Yes, when it premieres on, on the 29th, with Debbie and Tiffany hosting. Yes, you will be watching. Now, the trouble starts right away, because Debbie Gibson is, I don't know what she is. She's some, I don't know if she's an environment, she's allegedly an environmentalist, but somebody calls her a doctor at one point, and I'm like, I, I don't know what she is. If she's some sort of, if she's still doing science, I don't know. It doesn't matter. She's breaking in. They're doing environmental crime. They break into some rich dude's private snake collection, because rich people shouldn't be keeping reptiles as pets. They should be free. Clearly, they didn't watch Night of the Lepus or listen to my review because that never works out well. Her and her team kidnap the snakes and let them loose into the Everglades. Now, I don't know what this rich guy was doing to these snakes who or who this guy was that she stole them from, but once again, environmentalists have doomed the world because, I don't know, the, all of a sudden, these snakes are giants. They're 20 feet long. How? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. It's sci-fi. They're in a movie on sci-fi. Just being on sci-fi immediately makes you increase in size to magnitude proportions. Just look at Tiffany. Look at her in the movie. Look at her now. She increased in massively in size. That's mean. That was mean. Okay. Tiffany was playing, a, is playing the sheriff in this Everglades little town here. And she is squeezed into her tiny little police costume. I'm like, girl, she's going to come popping out all over. Which is a threat throughout the entire movie because her jugs are in every shot that she's in. There's no facial close-ups. It's always got the jugs in it, or at least a little bit of cleave of the jugs sticking out. Notice I'm calling them jugs, because these surpass boobs. They surpass titties. These are jugs, and I love them. I love you, Tiffany. I applaud you, and I applaud your curvy body. Beautiful. Anyway, she's the sheriff of this town. All of a sudden, people start, there's, there's reports of snake attacks, giant snake attacks. They send out you know squads to deal with them. The squads don't come back. Well, spoiler alert. Her fiancé gets killed. It's not much of a spoiler. It's 20 minutes into the movie. Now it's personal. Now she's got to take these snakes down. And now Debbie Gibson is showing up and saying, you can't hunt these snakes and pick it in because I'm an environmentalist and I'm wearing a shift dress that looks like a caftan. I'm a hippie. I gotta say, Debbie Gibson is insane when it comes to these snakes. She loves the snakes so much she wants to marry the snakes pretty much. And it makes no sense. They're 20 feet long and they're killing people. And she's like, well, you know, that's how it goes. That's nature. Mm, okay. So in retaliation, after, you know, in, the, in, 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 her, in her distress, after her boyfriend is killed, Tiffany does the only thing she could possibly think of to do. The only logical thing to do. She needs to increase the gator population to fight the snakes. In order to do that, again, the only logical thing, she feeds them chickens injected with, with steroids. Not just steroids, experimental, never tested steroids. What could possibly go wrong? She actually says that. What could possibly go wrong? Well, you get... <laughs> you, <laughs> you get crocoroids or diner... Whatever the hell they're called, gatoroids. What's great about the gatoroids is, is that they don't just get... 
I mean, it's steroids. They should just get really bulky and muscular. No, they become giant and muscular. It's great. It's just the terrible movie that you want it to be. I, the, the effects seem worse than usual. Gloriously worse. Maybe it's because it was projected on a screen. You know, it wasn't on film. It was a projection. But but they have this older woman, this old lady who plays her side. I guess she's deputy. I don't know what she is. She works the desk at the police department who's worth watching the movie on her own. She's hilarious in the right way. She's a wonderful character actress who had us peeing every time she was on screen. Now, things I learned from this movie, and I'm not really spoiling anything here either. Do not let Debbie ever get to a helicopter safety ladder before you do. Ever. She'll leave your ass. It happens multiple times in this movie. Like, you bitch! You know, from the person, another person got left behind, get eaten. She's like, bye, I'm Debbie Gibson. Could have been so beautiful. Could have been so rad. Plus, this movie's got A. Martinez in it. He's got the Lorenzo Lamas type role. If you don't know who he is, he used to be on General Hospital. He was on it when I used to watch it in college. Shut up. It was something to do during a free period. Shut up. And we used to make fun of him because he just went by A. Martinez. He doesn't have a name. He's just A. Martinez. He's not the Martinez, just A. Martinez. And he actually takes this seriously. He's really good in it, but he's in a completely different movie, and somehow that makes it better. I'm just saying, set your DVRs, get your friends together, get some brews, get a pizza, and laugh your ass off when Mega Python vs. Gatoroid premieres on Sci-Fi this Saturday. I don't know what time. Check your local listings, goddammit. I'm not the fucking TV guide. Now I do have one last tale to tell before we all move into the voicemails. After the movie was over, we're all huddled in our giddy little masses. Now, you have to understand, I had more candy and soda during this movie. I was buzzing like a hummingbird. I'm like, that was the same day I recorded the Frozen review. So, you know, just remember how I was then? Now, add like two more cups of coffee and like 16 bags of Skittles, plus the excitement. And I'm like a kindergarten class on crack. I've also had to pee like 900 times. So I'm, I, I decided to hit the men's room one last time before we hit the subway. And of course, there's a line. Of course, you know, the movie just let out and there's only one bathroom. And I'm hopping on my one leg, hopping on the other leg, doing the pee-pee dance. And I finally get in there and get to the urinal. I'm like, ah! Oh! And in the midst of my ecstasy, I turn my head to the right and realize I'm peeing next to Alan Thicke. And in a weird way, it was some sort of high school boy's dream come true. The men's room at the Ziegfeld Theater, where magic happens. Now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, from the soundtrack of Mega Python vs. Gatoroids, Tiffany. Serpentine 
Coppin' Neil Neil here, and Neil. I got a question for you. Yes. Just listen to another great episode. Thank you again. It oh, was you're very entertaining. Oh, thank you. And then uh, there, there's something that's bugging me. At the end of every of your show, you, you have the outro music. Uh-huh. And I think what he's saying is, I go hunting for witches because I'm going to troll. But then sometimes I think he's saying other stuff. <laughs> and this concerned me enough that I actually started doing a Google search on the lyrics to see if I could find who the artist is and, and, and what, what he's actually saying. Not well, bad. you know, you can find some interesting stuff when you search I Go Hunting for Witches. Uh, did you know that uh, Pope Innocent uh, launched the, 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 the witch, the heresy trials? Uh, Honey, I went to Catholic school you know, for 17 the, years. The, yes, I know that. You know, there's some really creepy goth stuff that probably shouldn't be looked at Too by late. people like me because it creeps them out. But I'm wondering... Because it sounds like a cool song, and I'd, I'd like to, to find it and listen to the rest of it. Uh, could you tell me who the artist is and, and what he's saying? Because that would be awesome. Anyway, thanks a lot for the great show, and we'll talk to you later. Bye! Oh, Neil, baby. You know I love you, but man, you weren't even close. <laughs> Although I have to say, and I'm going to troll, might be something I would have said about 3.45 just before the bar closed on a Saturday night. I'm going to go troll, because, you know, it's... <laughs> Never mind, never mind. No, it's I go hunting for witches. Heads are going to roll. You can go trolling if you like to, but my head's going to go rolling. No, I don't like that at all. I don't like any of those combinations of words. Anyway, the name of the song is called, obviously, Hunting for Witches. There is a, and the, the group is called Block Party, and it's all lowercase, and it's just B-L-O-C, party. There's no K, probably because they snorted it all. Ah! There's about 15,000 remixes of the song. It's actually my intro music as well. Uh, The intro music is the Crystal Caverns mix, and the outro mix is the Fury 666 mix. And that rhymes. And since three people have suddenly asked me this week what the name of that music is, I realize uh, the link should be more prominently featured on the webpage. So hopefully by the time this episode posts, there will be a convenient link on the side to the band's webpage, and all the pertinent information. And until then, in the show notes, there will be a link to their video on YouTube. Thanks for calling in, Neil. You're the pips. And I'm Gladys Knight. Hey, Patrick. It's Zom Bar calling. Hey, I'm on the road, heading over to uh, Virginia. On so I give you a call and throw another movie review at you. Um, I was able to catch the latest Natalie Portman flick that's on the tip of everyone's lips. No strings that's attached? Especially Mila Kunis. Uh, Black Swan. And I just wanted to let everyone know, I really, really liked it a lot. It was actually very good. I would not say it's your typical horror film in any respect. It's definitely more avant-garde type affair. Um, Lots of the horror is 
more of a kind of a Requiem for a Dream type horror, where it's yeah, more like the killer refrigerator. Experience the madness that she's experiencing. You, you, her delusions and like everything comes at you the same way. So it's kind of like a trip inside a crazy person's head. Ah, but is but she yeah, crazy? I That's the question. Pleasantly <laughs> surprised. I mean, I had heard it was good. I know it was playing at the art house like a month before it got the wide release and people really started talking about it. Um, I went to see it thinking, okay, here I am paying money again to see a movie on the hope almost 100% that a uh, chick I think is really hot is going to be naked in it. But Christina Ricci had done this to me many times. Oh, honey. I still haven't forgiven her for having to, me having to buy Afterlife, Black Snake Moan, um, and what's that other movie? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I have like 10 Christina Ricci movies. They all suck, but they're, I only got them because she's naked. So I was like, well, I actually just pay to see Portman naked. And damn it, if it wasn't a good movie anyway. It was like, oh, I was like, oh, A-listers okay. A-listers don't get naked. For those that don't know, and what? I don't know if Patrick was going to review, um, he really probably did. So, in which no, case, I'll just touch on it because it's too um, spoilery, so you Natalie better be Portman, fucking careful. She's hold, in on, a ballerina hold on, troupe. hold on. She's taking over the head ballerina job um, for yeah, a new production of Swan Lake. And it's basically her cracking under the pressure as she has pressure from her mom, who's basically the mom from Carrie, kind of, um, without religion, just kind of like obsessive-compulsive crazy. um, And she has pressure from her mom to do well. She has pressure to stay thin. She has pressure from the director, who wants to fuck her really bad, and, you know, because he does that with all his ballerina stars. He's French. Um, He has pressure from Mila Kunis, who's an up-and-coming ballerina who wants to take her spot and everything's kind of collapsing around her and she was kind of crazy to begin with probably because her mother made her crazy and they they mentioned something about how she scratches and mutilates herself while she sleeps and the more crazy she gets she more bruises and stuff starts to appear she becomes uh, obsessed with keeping her nails short and you know lots of there's definitely some gross body torture type things in here um with the things she does to herself. I mean, it's kind of like everyone knows that ballerinas, like, balance on their tippy toes and that there's a whole kind of foot-binding thing and keeping your toenails cut yeah, a certain way. Yeah, and there's way a toe-mangling thing. There's permanent that. toe damage. Um, well, if that ever looked like it was a painful thing, and it is, um, it's a this kind of really thing. plays off of that. And there's lots of, like, That's just fact. watching your feet and watching her, hearing cracking sounds. It's like, ah! But... Yeah, aside from that, just the whole kind of the way she's dealing with it and the way, because they, ha- they definitely mirror the Swan Lake story with <clears throat> the good swan and the bad swan, and the bad swan slowly has to come out and take form. And they kind of do it with a, uh, a visual trick where she slowly in her mind black swan. And but it makes for some really beautiful shots and some really, some some wicked, I mean, they're obviously visual effects, but there's like, she keeps getting this thing on her skin where it's like, have you feathers were? She kind of gets her skin looking like that. It's like, it's like, it's like a feather type ripple that keeps taking over her body and yeah, creepy and gross. But very effective. Um, but yeah, and even though that whole thing was going on during 
the nice uh, little lesbian scene in there. Um, yeah, it's still it's still good. Yeah, There's for all the straight guys, it's a it's a movie about ballet. You want to see it? It's worth it. It's so worth it. There's ballet. Um, there's only one or two loose ends. No, 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 and she's going to be a huge, huge star over after this. Um, huge, I don't she's going to be a fucking she, huge star. She, Fuck you. She seemed too timid and scared in one note through lots of the movie for me. Uh, I'd say her performance was extremely brave. And lots of the things she did asks, asks a lot. But as far as being able to... I mean, she didn't, the character didn't have la, the la, range la, la, that I la, thought la, it would la, have. La, la, um, la. It's the, her, her, her time as the Black Swan... Didn't seem as long as I thought it was going to be, or maybe yeah. I had a weird Size queen! Size queen! She very one note and kind of, I mean, she was playing her character. That was definitely the character she was supposed to play, <sighs> and she played it extremely well. Six um, minutes, kids. Six minutes. I don't know minutes. if it had the range that, I, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. No, you don't. I didn't, nobody knows so, what you're talking so about. I'm just going to say over okay. you. I'm going to let you go. Um, Thanks. I'll talk to you later, Patrick, and hopefully, I called like three times since the last show. You don't group them all together and make everyone listen to me <laughs> three times in a row. Just take them out a little bit. Called. Yeah, but don't do like Brother D, where he played something I did like last year. So I'm talking like <laughs> I have no idea what I'm talking about. You have no idea what you're talking about. Anyway, now. toodles. Bye. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hang up. Okay, really, what's left to say about the movie at this point? Nothing. 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 Except this. Was she insane? If you haven't seen the movie, I plug your ears for about 10 seconds. So at the beginning of the film, Zombart, did she have a dream? Or was that a prophecy? Because she dreamed exactly what happened. Could it have been madness? Maybe it wasn't. Who really cares? Not me. Next call. Hey, Patrick, it's Chris, and Sean is on here with Skype. We're waiting for you. Are you freshening uh, up? Let's go. We've got a show to do, young man. Talk to you soon, I hope. I beg your pardon, but did you just imply that I am less than fresh? I never... Well, there was that one time, but never mind. Yes, uh, what Chris is referring to, I had an appointment to sit down with Chris and Scott and guest on their podcast, 42nd Street Drive-In, talk about the John Waters movie, Female Trouble, starring Divine. Unfortunately, what Chris and Sean forgot is that a queen has the right to make an entrance. Also, a queen has the right to keep a gentleman call a waiting. And a queen is going to be running on gay standard time, which means... If the party starts at 8, I'll be there by 2. So be sure to check out episode 2 of 42nd Street Drive-In to hear what we all find out about female trouble. And it's a movie. I don't mean like Menzies. I think we all know about that. And I'm certainly not going to do a podcast about it this week. Hey, Patrick. It's Zombart. Hi, Zombart. I just listened to your last show. And we got to stop all this fighting. It's really bad. You know, Mia Culpa, yes. Yeah, I'm you not a fan up. of Joe Dante. Um, oh, that. No, he is to him. me what Toby Hooper is to Matt. 
Um, did one thing good, don't like the rest. And I'm sorry you didn't like the Black Christmas review. I thought it was good. I, I didn't listen to it. Give some uh, some love to the people out there that do like it. Uh, you but, know what? I'm not a fucking charity. I'm not here to give love to the Black Christmas remake lovers. Fuck them. You're trying my patience. Next call. Hey, hey, Patrick. This is Metal Mikey calling in. Oh, Metal Mikey, thank you. I had Jesus. to call in today late because, A, I was still late listening to the show, and I would have listened to it yesterday, but that leads into, B, I was in immense pain yesterday. My back what? decided to sprain out on me, and I'm oh. like, oh, you motherfucker. But, hey, it's all good, and I did listen to episode 23 of Scream best, Queen. Best cure for pain. With a Z. Yeah. That's my show. And I have some thoughts to share, although I will admit none of them are really terribly pertinent this time out. I'll be Because as a shame as I am to say, probably the most recognizable movie on the list, which is Black Christmas, I've still oh. not seen. I know, I know, I'm sorry. You can unleash your queenly wrath on me another time. No, no. I don't know why. That's I'm just okay. really lazy about seeing Bob Clark's horror effort because I do want to see that sometime. And I also do want to see, oh, what was it, Death Dream, the other one that he made around That's that same time period. Probably the only horror effort I've seen from Bob Clark is Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Still Things, knows. which oh. is honestly a lot of fun, and I really do enjoy that one. But also, let me see. By now, I should hope that Brad is feeling much better. He is. I... And my engine also by now, he is feeling better, but if he isn't, then get better soon, Brad, damn it. And with your story about your sister's dinner party, you know what, Patrick? <laughs> I consider you a very well-spoken man, but it also comforts me to know that you are also a maestro in the fine technique of foot-and-mouth disease, like yeah, myself. I have my moments. Sometimes I'll just say something, and I'm just like, oh, that was really fucking stupid. Why did I even say that? And, oh... I don't know that you seem to have kind of an on and off streak about films that are kind of rough for you to get through, namely Make-A-Wish. I mean, granted, you didn't say it was bad, but, you know, sometimes it almost seems like a film is worse when it's boring instead of being bad. Because, you know, if a movie is terrible, if you're just having an absolute horrible time getting through it, it's still eliciting a reaction, an emotion. Granted, it's not the emotion that I'm sure the filmmaker would want, Hopefully. but still, you're at least experiencing something while watching it. To me, the worst crime a film could have is for it to be boring, yeah. for it to just not be involving at all. That is probably one of the least entertaining things you could ever put yourself through, and I think a filmmaker just outright fails in any regard with that sort of project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But finally, for my thoughts for this episode, okay, so I want to hear it from your non-drunken lips, from <laughs> your non-south brain, are you really uh, ugly, fat, stupid, elitist? What? Because I will admit, though, one of them does not apply to me. Everybody knows I'm not fat. The other two, they could be debated, but the fat part, uh-uh. No, so does that mean that I'm one-third acceptable to you, Brad, or Patrick? Oh, God, I sound like I'm drunk now. 
Uh, no, that's just me being a dumbass. But anyways, Patrick, What's happening? you take it easy. An excellent show, as always. Thank you. And I look forward to playing catch-up, because I know there's an episode 24 out, and I have yet to listen to it. Ha-ha! Ha-ha. Anyways, take it easy, man. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. bye. Did you just call me fat? Oh, my God. First, Chris suggests that I'm not so fresh, and now I'm fat. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on. Mikey, you totally lost me. Is it? Is it? Is that that New York thing? You know, like the, the real America bullshit? Because that would be the answer. That would be no, 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 and kind of. That that really took me off guard. I'm I'm speechless. That doesn't happen very often, isn't that right, Mister Brad? Shut up. Anyway, um, what else did you say? It, 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 yes, Brad is feeling better. He is feeling much better, and it's all due to the efforts of Nurse Jane Fuzzy Wuzzy. Shut the fuck up. It works. And yeah, the in- the incident with my sister. It's unfortunate. One of the things that comes from years and years of improv experience and training. The first thing they teach you is don't think. You know, turn off your brain a little bit. If you edit everything you say, if you think about everything you say, you'll wind up never saying anything funny or interesting. And your timing will be way off. So I've, I've turned off my edit button a long time ago, if you couldn't tell from the show. And sometimes it gets you into trouble. Sometimes you say things and it's out there before your brain even knew you said it. And you're like, did, was that in my head? Or did that just happen? Yep, that just Happened, and that particular incident with the tick, you know, okay, for those who didn't listen to, you know, back and listen to the last episode, this incident with my sister is Lyme disease, and I made a comment about ticks. I got in the middle of it, and I said, I'm, no, yeah, I've had plenty of food, I'm feeling all fat and bloated like a, and time slowed down for a little while, and just alternate ends to that phrase ran through my head, and none of them were suitable. Yeah, I'm bloated like a soggy donut. No, bloated like a drowned corpse. And then eventually the silence got so long and just ticked. And like a good Irish Catholic family, nothing was ever said of it. But I'm sure, not to my face, but I'm sure it's been whispered about in dark corners along telephone lines all throughout the New York area. And as for movies that are not so great, um, speaking of not so fresh, yeah, it's kind of, it's odd. It is kind of hard when I come across these ones that just don't, leave a mark one way or the other and it's it's because sometimes it's not that they're bad it's you're at the boring ones is no excuse for especially in horror especially in horror but the ones that i get to the end of it and they're not bad they're not good and uh, i'm trying to find something to say about them at all and i wind up giving a plot summary and and my here's my tell before i get to the end of the review and you find out if i liked it or not it's when i'm talking about the plot and i talk about the plot like this and everything is a sentence that goes down, and every fifth word or so I just pause. Whereas if I really enjoy the movie, I'm exiting it out. I'm doing the voices. I'm like, oh my god, we're I'm doing all that. That's that's your tell. Now you know. Now you don't have to listen to the whole thing. You don't have to listen to me babbling, but you do. But you do. I got your IP address. I'll come to your house and pee on your carpets. Again. Okay, I'm going to show how much a loser I am. And I was watching the fashion show, you know, with Isaac Mizrahi. And he something happened. One of the guys like, oh, my God, you hate my dress. And Isaac Mizrahi goes, no, I don't love it enough to hate it. And that's kind of how it is. 
That's kind of how it is. You know, no, and then the ones that I, I hate and I hate, but no, there is, there's some, I don't, I just, okay, Patrick, don't glean wisdom from reality shows anymore and just continue with your own train of thought. Okay, let's do that. But the thing is with, with the bad movies and even the dull movies, I feel compelled to sit through the end of them because sometimes movies just take patience. Sometimes, you know, there's a really slow build like, or, or something amazing happens in the last reel. For instance, I might have turned off Sleepaway Camp. Sleepaway Camp is a really fucking awful movie that's saved by the last frame. It's the only reason that movie is remembered because the rest of it's really forgettable and really quite awful and amateurish. But that last frame, wow. So tuning off of, turning off a movie early, you could miss the penis, so to speak. And that's a metaphorical penis, even though it was a real penis in the movie. Or it wasn't a real penis. It was a picture of... I don't know what it was. You know what I'm talking about. You might miss that little nugget. That I can't talk about penis and nuggets at the same time. Forget it. Forget it. Next topic. Next topic. Wow. This... Uh, definitely time to wrap this puppy up for this week. Okay. What better segue than to beg you to go vote for me for Best Horror Podcast over at deadlantern.com slash vote. I would really appreciate that. Hey, if you want to reach the show like all these other cool people, you can give me a call at 347-767-3509 or you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com and that's queens with a what now, class? That's right, with a Z. Gold star. Don't even ask me what's happening next week because every time I tell you what's happening next week, it doesn't happen. Am I correct? So probably someday, the things that I tell you, like all those things over time that I've told you I'm doing next week will all happen in one episode. It'll be the next week episode. Episode 27, next week. That'll probably be one of the signs of the apocalypse. But until next time, continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, You know, boy, when the light hits you just right, you kind of remind me of Tammy Wynette. In the early years. Bye! I go hunting for witches. Heads of Gowies Road. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com. Bitches! <laughs>